0: hello hello everyone welcome to episode four of fearless rebel radio in this episode i interview my first fearless rebel guest blogger author culinary mastermind weightlifter and all-around badass steph Godreau, on how to be more awesome and harder to kill Specifically in this episode, we talk about Steph's journey from being a teacher to a full-time blogger, author, and weightlifter, the importance of living a life by your own rules and not letting your unfulfilled pursuits weigh you down, what you can do if you feel like you're stuck on the hamster wheel of life in order to start achieving your dreams, Steph's passion for weightlifting and how it enabled her to take advantage of the body she was given, where to start and what to do if you want to start weightlifting or strength training specifically for women. What defines an athlete and when to know if you should change your nutrition to support your activities and what are the signs to look for if you're not eating enough or properly to support your activity, plus a whole bunch of other fun stuff. But before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can grab my free Rule Breakers Guide to Rocking Your Body at my website, summerinnanen.com. That's summer like the season, and then innanen, I-N-N-A-N-E-N.com, or simply put Summer the Nutritionist into Google, and I will show up. All right, let's get started. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby! I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants and interviews with Fearless Rebel guests. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? I am super excited about today's guest, and she is my first Fearless Rebel guest, so I'm feeling pretty, pretty giddy about that. Today's guest is the one and only Steph Gaudreau. Steph Gaudreau combines 12 years of science teaching experience, a certificate in holistic nutrition, and an unabashed love of tasty paleo food on her blog, Stupid Easy Paleo. Steph went paleo in 2010 and it didn't take long for her to decide that she was never turning back. Eating clean, nutrient-dense foods has fueled her both in life and as a competitive athlete. Steph's mission is to spread the word about how to make simple, tasty recipes to help people in their quest to just eat real food. She authored The Paleo Athlete, A Beginner's Guide to Real Food for Performance in 2014, and her book, The Performance Paleo Cookbook, Recipes for Eating Better, Training Harder and Getting Stronger, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. I am super excited to have Steph here today because she is really a woman who lives life by her own rules, and in my social media stalking, she is a pretty fearless badass as well, and you wouldn't want to mess with her in a dark alley if you have followed any of her Instagram pics with her weightlifting pictures. (laughs) <laughs> I'm also a huge fan of Steph's recipes because they are not only stupid easy to make, but also ri- ridiculously delicious. And you know me, I'm a total food lover. So, welcome to the show, Steph. That was quite the introduction. Thank you. <laughs> You're, I welcome. Love it. <laughs> You're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. So I know you're going through some exciting stuff right now because, as I mentioned, your first like, actual you know, physical book is now up for pre-order. And I'd love our listeners to know more about your story and a little more about your journey and how, to go- how you got to where you are today.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's quite the story, but I'll give you kind of the truncated version. So, yeah. um, you know, I've been an active kid my whole life. Um, ever since you know primary school, elementary school, and I always loved to do sports, so I was really into soccer um, and I did that you know all through high school and um and then when I started college, I basically became a couch potato, and as many of us have experienced, I gained a lot of weight and was really unhappy because I went from being super active to not doing anything at all. Uh, And I became a gym rat. I just kind of walked into a local gym one day and I thought, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to fix this. (laughs) Yeah. So through, you know, again, a lot of us have done this. You just exercise and exercise and exercise. And I thought I knew what I was doing. Um, I did lose weight and, you know, felt somewhat happy. But, uh, you know, I always felt like I had these kind of underlying issues with, the way I felt um in terms of you know my blood sugar was always crazy and all over the place, I would, didn't sleep very well, my moods were really, really psycho <laughs> and so I kind of knew that they' like, yeah, maybe I looked better physically, but you know it's like you get into this point where you get to this point where you kind of accept you know do, do, is this just how I feel like is this this just normal for me um yeah. And uh, because I was racing bikes, I did a lot of gels and blocks and those chewy, you know, chomps things. And um, my favorite were the honey stinger waffles. (laughs) Oh, wow. So I would would eat that kind of stuff. So I was still eating a fair amount of, you know, grains and inflammatory foods. And um, it took about a year and a half before I realized, like, something is still not right. I had just kind of – I just knew I could probably do more. So I did a whole 30 and it took, like I said, a year and a half for me to eventually try this. And by doing the elimination and really understanding what worked for my body and what didn't, I really kind of, I mean, it's, it sounds, it sounds weird to say, but it was kind of miraculous. Like everything kind of fell into line for me and, you know, I felt great. I could perform really well at the time I was still racing bikes. And then I transitioned into doing CrossFit and stuff like that, but um yeah, it was just, I don't know, everything just kind of clicked. yeah. And so that's how I kind of started my own paleo journey. But, you know, it's been over four years and I'm still at it. So my family has stopped asking me, like, how long am I going to keep doing this diet thing? You know, yeah. <laughs> like everybody's just kind of accepting of the fact that, like, this is just the way that I live and, and that's what it is. But I was really inspired by all the folks that just friends and acquaintances and stuff would contact me. And be like, how did you do that thing? And what was it? And like, can you give me any tips? And so I always had a kind of a personal blog where I would write about my races and training and I would put recipes. And uh, it got to the point where I would write almost all recipes. And so somebody was like, why don't you just make a food blog? Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, I'll just do that. So that's why I started Stupid Easy Paleo in 2011.
0: Nice. Okay. And then, and, and, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, stupid easy paleo has evolved so much. I mean, I think from what I'm hearing, like it kind of just started as like a hobby, right? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and now like, this is like your gig, like this is your job. This is your life, right?
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty surreal. I, have been, well, I was until I actually just formally quit a few weeks ago, but I was a high school biology and chemistry teacher for a dozen years. And in the last few years, I definitely had some restlessness, like as I started to see Stupid Easy Paleo growing, and I really liked what I was doing, and because I'm a science nerd, and I love nutrition and physiology, and all this stuff kind of, it it all seemed like it was coming together.
0: Mm Mm-hmm the universe had a plan,
1: but taking, taking, yeah, taking, like deciding to take the leap and leave my, my job. So I applied for a leave of absence for a year, um, which meant I was cut off from my salary and all benefits. And I ended up putting my stuff in storage and moved to Scotland for four months and then moved back and like, you know, wrote the ebook and all this crazy stuff happened. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like, I'm, I think I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, a, that's kind of how it, how it came to what it is today. But it definitely started as, this is just fun. And I actually just like to put my recipes online so I can remember what they are later. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> kind great. of like a, a virtual cookbook, if you will. But, um, but yeah, that's how I got to here. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things, a lot of people, will think oh it's just happened overnight and I mean the seeds of that were planted a long time ago
0: yeah and I think you know this is common with anything but people don't see the struggle that kind of goes on behind the scenes to build something like that and I mean as someone who kind of you know like I had a corporate job I was making you know like a six-figure salary I had a car And I walked away from all that to, you know, become a solopreneur, as we're called, I guess, or an entrepreneur as well. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really scary to walk away from that stability to pursue your dream. And so, you know, I, I like, you know, I really commend you on that. And, and you've, uh, it's obviously been like, you know, very successful for you. Would you say there was like a defining moment when you decided, you know, I need to make a living out of this, like, I need to, I need to to either do this 100% or, you know, <laughs> let it, you know because otherwise it's just the hobby is going to overtake your life.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I can't remember an exact event or moment, but it became quite obvious to me that I was, you know, at the time I was training competitive, competitively in CrossFit at CrossFit Invictus. Um, I am weightlift now, so it, my training is a bit different, but you know, I would go to work, I would leave work and rush to the gym and train and I would train all, you know, afternoon and come home and eat dinner and go to bed and I was like, oh, man, I really love doing the blogging and I love putting my stuff out there and helping people, but I just don't have the time <laughs> to make this really, you know, I had this vision in my head of what I could probably do with the site and and just the impact that I could have with people, but I knew I didn't have the time to put into really growing it and developing it like I wanted to. So it, that's really when the rumblings kind of started in my head. Like, you know, it, it's it's like if you're trying to do two things really well at the same time, mm-hmm. it just, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem
0: to work. <laughs> yeah. It's like jack of all trades, master of none, right? I yeah. Know, I don't know who said that, but <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a very, very old adage, but yeah, yeah it's, um, That's really kind of that moment when I decided that, okay, I I think I'm going to go for this. And it took me a while to actually get up the balls to write the letter, to ask for time. Yes. i you know, a year off because in in my mind, that was my safety net. And I was like, all right, so if I I ask for the time off and I don't get it, what am I going to do then? (laughs) You know, do I just quit outright? And it's, like you said, it's super scary. You have a secure income here in the States. You know, I teach, I taught science. So science teachers are pretty secure. Um, You know, walk away from this job. And it's not like I was making a ton of money, but I could pretty much count on the fact that every July I'd go back to school and it would be just like the year before, no problem. Mm -hmm. And so to walk away from that, you know, I thought, am I just going to quit outright? And the, the leave of absence really gave me the, the time to see, like, did I even like doing this, you know, hobby now as
0: a job? Um, yeah, because a lot of times you find out, I just actually really liked it as a hobby. <laughs> totally so much. So, I mean, I think, you know, to, to have your own business, like not everyone's meant to be, not everyone's meant to have their own business, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And, um, And uh, yeah, I I don't think it's it's for everyone. So it's good that you still have that safety net, for sure.
1: And the learning curve is so steep. I mean, I I went to school as – I went to college as a science major. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, let me play around in Petri dishes and learn about digestion and all this stuff. Like, never – never even crossed my mind anything about the business world i you know i worked in a very bureaucratic job where it was all very top down you know you just like show up and do your thing and that's pretty much it and so i never ever ever learned anything about business and i did a an online program last year that really kind of gave me some of the essentials to start doing some of this and i had already been blogging so it wasn't like i was totally new to that as well but Man, I've had to like, I, I reflect back on all the things I've had to learn in the last, say, 18 months. And I it just blows my mind. It's like I've learned another career in such a short time. So Totally. <laughs> it's pretty astounding.
0: Yeah. And I know, um, like, I, just so you know, I went to school for business. I have like a, a bachelor in, in business and I, I majored in marketing. And none of that helped me. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I okay. learned way more in, uh, and I know the online program you're talking about, you know, it's like I did it cause I did it too. It's B school. And I learned so much more in that than I did in my four year program. So my four year undergrad, so, uh, All right, I feel
1: better now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Or, or that's just a testament to the fact that I spent way too much time partying,
1: <laughs>
0: but, uh, you know, I think like, you know, I just kind of want to keep going on this on on this topic for a second but you know something that something I do with some of my clients is to help them define their values so that they can take steps towards changing their life to be better aligned to them because I personally believe that you know if you live a life aligned to your values then your relationship to yourself and your relationship with food can improve dramatically so how has your own transition allowed you to live a life more in tune with your values and kind of living a life by your own rules? And, you know, how important do you think that is for other people in terms of their well-being?
1: I think a lot of times we get really swept up in things and what we have as a vision for ourselves, you know, this we have this kind of idea of like where we would be our most true self or our most you know where we would have the most um, impact or like what we see our ideal self as doing is lost and we either come up with reasons to get around it you know we like excuse it away like oh I can't do it at this time and or I've made other decisions that have put me in a different spot and so I think a lot of times we just kind of walk around with this baggage of the what could be and the what we really want to do and it weighs us down. I mean it, it's it's pretty crazy. I actually I was thinking about that question you asked me earlier and and was there a moment when I I figured I kind of had to go for this? And mm-hmm. I just remembered uh my very good friend Dawn Fletcher. She owns mentalitywad.com and she's also does some other stuff around coaching and uh I did a, a mastermind program with her probably I think it was in the fall of 2012. No 2011. So this is a while ago. Yeah, And she had us reflect at the beginning of this mastermind about just all these. So I walked into it thinking like, I'm going to learn how to be a better competitor Okay, because this is like what I wanted. This is why I joined this mastermind group. And all the questions that she asked for the most part were about Life, quality of life, your job, your relationships, you know, your dreams and goals and all this stuff. And I, I, walked away from that. And I, you know, my intention was to learn how to become a better athlete. And what it really pointed out to me is I wasn't happy with what I was doing with my career. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, it was like a punch in the gut because all the questions that I ranked the like the lowest quality of satisfaction on were all related to what I was doing. Yeah. in my work in my work so that was definitely an important moment for me but I realized like if I was going to carry around this little bag of oh what a-, you know this is my little dream in this little bag but I'm I'm, I'm just going to carry it with me and it's going to be there reminding me the whole time <laughs> that I'm not, not doing what I really think I should be doing I don't know how long I can live with that so I think it's it's just a matter of like you've really got to look at things from an objective point of view. And it took me literally ranking things by number of satisfaction, like from a scale of one to 10. And I had to sit down and really think about things. And I think a lot of times we just get, we go through the motions or different things that happen to us in life. We just kind of adjust our path until we, you know, it's like we've taken a series of tiny little deviations. And every time we do it, we don't actually think, that when we look back at the sum of all those little deviations,
0: we're miles from where we actually really want to be. Yeah. It's the journey, right? Like it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's not a 5K, it's a marathon and it's about... And there's,
1: and, and there's no, there, no map actually exists. Like there's no way to say that there's a perfect way to get from where you are now to what you're really dreaming of doing. And that's the scary part, right? Is like you're you're out there in the open, and you've got to you have to make the map, like you have to make the journey happen. And it's like those little memes you always see, you know what people what people think success is is just a straight line, and actually it's this completely crazy, tumultuous up and down sort of process and backwards and
0: forwards. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so interesting. I love it. And so, you know, like, what do you like, what do you love most about kind of like owning your own thing and doing, doing your like, you know, having your baby, like having this as your business? What does that kind of give you in, in life? And, you know, even if it's just, you know, like being able to wear shorts every day and things like that, (laughs) like what, what do you love most about it?
1: Oh, I guess I just have a lot of autonomy. And I really like that. I like to decide what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, what my next big project is going to be. And certainly, there are things that you know steer me in one direction or another. But I like just having that freedom, that autonomy to say, like, okay, this is what the next project I'm going to work on, or this is what I'm going to do today, or you know, like you said, I'm going to wear yoga pants all day. Um, <laughs> Although I've, I've made a rule that I have to get changed out of my, my PJs when I wake up because I don't, I'll sit in them all
0: day. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I sit in sweaty gym clothes all day. Cause I, like I work out in the morning. <laughs> it's so gross.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I
0: try to really have a shower by 2 PM. <laughs> that's kind of my rule.
1: <laughs> we usually, we usually work out at 12. So that's a, a bit of a break in the day for us, but yeah. I hear you for sure. It's all about making a kind of a plan or you'll never will never stick to anything. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I I really enjoy being able to make choices like that. And and probably the other thing is just being challenged. I mean I I got to the point and I tell a story sometimes, but I got to the point where I I could lecture. You know, I would be giving a lecture on, I don't know, electron shells or, you know, whatever. <laughs> that I was teaching about and I would totally not be present to it at all because it was also automatic to me. Um, you know, and so I would teach five classes basically a day of the same thing over and over again after 12 years, you know, like <laughs> it's, it, gets pretty, it gets pretty easy. So I would find myself while I was lecturing, I was thinking about writing blog posts or what I was going to work on next and all that stuff. So I was like, all right, you know, number one, I'm not doing a service to my students doing this. Like, it's not, I'm not being the best teacher I could possibly be, but um, yeah, it, it was just kind of the the realization that I, I could start actually doing these things that I was thinking about in my head and and be challenged too. Like I have to solve problems constantly. Um, I have to think of th- things all the time I have I it, it challenges my creativity in a way that what I was doing before I never did so or at least in the beginning it did but then once I got the hang of it I was like all right you know I've got those worksheets done <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah having to be creative and, and really be a problem solver and and do that sort of stuff is is one of my favorite things about working for myself
0: that's great. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people feel like they're kind of stuck on like the hamster wheel of life, you know? And, and so, you know, like what, like what can, you know, what can, what would your advice be to someone who kind of feels that way, who hears your story and is like, oh my God, you know, I want to, you know, break free of these, like break out of my hamster wheel and actually start to do something different, you know? Like how, like where does one start, or you know, what would be kind of like one thing that you might tell some somebody?
1: I had a, a girl that I worked with last year. She was a travel. She was my travel coach. <laughs> I found her kind of through B school, but uh, she ended up becoming just a great friend of mine, and we still keep in touch. But one of the things that you know, when faced with a huge decision, like I'm going to leave my job, right? You're like, okay, I hate my job. I'm going to quit. Yeah, like. Walking in tomorrow is and just quitting is probably not an option, right? Like, unless you truly want to be without a job and completely stressed out. So you need to start working on a plan. You know, what is your – and even if you can't actualize that end result right away, you've got to start taking steps and the steps are usually a lot less scary than the final result, like okay, I'm gonna actually quit and leave my job, but I need to take steps before I can do that, right? So I'm gonna have, I need a plan B always. Um, I need to sit down and think what are, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen and be, you know, realistic about that. Like what are the the worst things that could happen if I actually go through with this? Mm -hmm. And have a plan B and then once you've decided if you're okay with all those worst things that can happen is to just start mapping out some of those smaller steps that you're going to take to get to that final goal that you have. So if it's like, well, I want to quit my job and have a blog or a website about nutrition and work with clients. Well, if you're not a nutritionist, you're going to need to start probably taking some steps if that's what you want to do to like look into school or look into a program, like start playing around with a blog if you don't have a blog. I mean, start taking some of those steps because you know, it's a lot easier to hold up at one of those points than it just is to say I'm going to go in tomorrow and give like tell my boss to screw off and like never come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and it's the people I think that are willing to be patient that are gonna get the payoff. You know, there's also a flip side to that, which is like, you can be so, you can be patient to a fault that you never actually take action. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, so having somebody in your life or having your little tribe of people that are gonna push you and keep tabs on what you're doing and be like, hey, how's that going? And, you know, surrounding yourself with a good, a good group of people that are gonna support you, but that are also going to like, you know, kick you in the ass when you start whining or, <laughs> like, not making progress and, and, put you know, purposely um, stalling and finding other things to do and not following through with it. So, yeah, you just got to take baby steps sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I love how you, uh, you know, you said, like, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Because I think some people get so overwhelmed. And, you know, they're just like, you know, I can't, and even it, in just the smallest aspect, like, you know, setting boundaries at work. So they're not working like 12 hours a day, you know, people, mm. they're just like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But it's like, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen if you just go to your boss and you say, you know what, like, I'm sorry, I can't get this done by this date. Like really, you know, <laughs> in, in, right. in most cases you're not going to get fired. So I think, I think that's like a good reminder just in general in life is to, really challenge yourself about that. And like, you know, surrounding yourself with people who can keep you accountable and having that kind of community is, is really, really key. Like, uh, you know, in in my own kind of career, that's something that's been like, uber, Mm -hmm. uber helpful for me. Yeah. And for anyone doing anything. I mean, I think, you know, any kind of change that you're trying to make in your life, you need to have that accountability and support because otherwise, you know, you're just, it's really hard to kind of just do it yourself sometimes you know and
1: I think you know you're, first of all you're talking to the queen of overactive imaginations, so I bring that <laughs> up like I could imagine all of the worst case scenarios and I believe you know will happen um, and that's kind of what's floating around in my head until I actually would sit down and say okay let's be let's be real here like what's the worst that could happen and uh, you know so for me having the plan of like I'm going to take a year off and I can go back I can't go back it's okay. Like that to me was huge.
0: Yeah. That's one of Um, the things I've always said to myself. I'm like, I can always, you know, I can always strip. No, I'm just kidding. I don't say that. But I always (laughs) say, I can always go back. I can always go back to my corporate life, you know, like, and that's, that's always been, yeah, that's always been a bit of a, a safety net for me. And it's true. I think with anyone who's looking to change a career, like, you know, you can always go back to your old job. Um, so let's shift gears here and talk about something that you are obviously really passionate about, and that is weightlifting. So, you know, talk to me about how, like, how important is weightlifting in your life? And, you know, what has, what has it done to kind of improve, like improve your self-worth?
1: Oh man, how long is this podcast? Going? We can <laughs> talk about this for days. Um, you know, I've always... A lot of it goes back to kind of weightlifting has allowed me to, like, take advantage of this body that I was given. <laughs> I can't say, I can't think of a better way to say it, but, That's awesome. you know, growing up, I was always bigger than my siblings, and just like a sturdy kid, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I got teased a lot for it, and... I was just always a bigger kid, like I went through various stages from pudgy to fat to like chubby, like any other, any word you could think of to describe somebody like that, that was me. And, uh, you know, even when I raced bikes and became, you know, into triathlons and stuff and I was at my smallest weight and my smallest body size, I was still bigger than a lot of the people in my sport. So, I remember very clearly one of the times I was probably at my smallest. I was doing triathlons and I was under eating and doing chronic cardio and um, couldn't jump on a 12 inch box when I first went to CrossFit because I was really just weak. I could pedal for days, but I couldn't, you know, I had no explosive power. And uh, I remember standing with a group of my teammates and taking a photo. And I was like, oh my God, I'm bigger than like the guys in this picture, too. So, I always kind of had this, this idea, you know, being on a bike is great and I loved riding and racing, but I was like, I, I'm not meant to be a, a really skinny, thin, light person. <laughs> it's just not my body type at all. And so when I started crossfitting is really when I was like, holy shit, I'm strong. Like I'm strong. Yeah. This is this is awesome. Nice. And, uh, so when I started crossfitting, I had just come off of doing triathlons and, um, you know, actually gain weight because I put on muscle mass again, and so a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, you went paleo and lost a bunch of weight," and I was like, "No, actually, I gained weight because I started building muscle again from years and years of, you know, like I said, a hypocaloric, very kind of um, long, slow distance, kind of catabolic type of of lifestyle." Yeah. And and uh, so weightlifting to me, and, and I, I I enjoyed doing CrossFit as well, although I wasn't great at gymnastic stuff. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I always gravitated toward going heavy, and the I, I, I don't know, it's just like a feeling of being strong and powerful, and taking advantage of and maximizing the fact that like I was given this body to move things around with, and it's it feels really it just feels really great. Um, weightlifting is really frustrating as well it's, it's almost like learning how to dance and um, when I was a really small girl I was in dance classes and you know you would kind of like practice the movements and practice the movements and try to get, the, try to get them right and weightlifting is kind of the same way mm-hmm. we, were laughing, we were laughing the other day about how ridiculous it is to pick up say I don't know 60 kilos from the floor and put it over your head in one motion, and expect that you are going to defy the laws of physics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, and get it to the exact right spot. You know, like without actually thinking, it's just you have to train your body to to be in the right positions. And uh, we're like, we're like, this is ridiculous. Like we expect it. We we expect this of our bodies to be able to do this. Um, but that's the, that's the challenging part. I guess I things that are too easy don't hold my interest. And so weightlifting is it's mentally challenging. Physically, it's really hard. But it's also, I think, a little bit easier on me than CrossFit. And yeah. I'm not saying CrossFit's bad, um, but I need to realize, like, I'm 35. I don't recover like I did when I was 20. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, the intensity, it's not... Like I said, it's hard, it's challenging. We lift heavy weight, um, but the intensity is different. And for me, with being a new entrepreneur and business owner and trying to really put a lot of time and effort into that, I feel like weightlifting is a really great match for where I am in my life. And uh, so for all those reasons,
0: (laughs) I really love it. Yeah, that's great. No, you can like, I can hear the passion in your voice about it. And that's just so amazing. And like, I, like, I, I love it. You know, as soon as I discovered like a barbell, I just, it, w- it was so empowering. I thought I don't, you know, cause I, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of times this, this stigma that, you know, like women are weaker and it's, you know, it's a way to kind of, I don't know, just fight against that and, and just, you know, show yourself that you really are strong and powerful and and not everyone has to lift weights to do that. But I think that that kind of reaction is how it manifested in, in me.
1: Yeah, and I think when we say like lift heavy, it's all relative to the person. Yes. Right? So it's not like I mean, I've been I've been doing weightlifting for almost 4 years. Like a brand new person who's just coming into the sport is probably not going to come in and like lift the same amount of weights or in the same fashion. It's all like just challenging yourself enough and setting that bar just a little bit higher so you can progressively train and get stronger and not get injured, um, and challenge yourself and push yourself. But you know, it's if I walked, if I, if a girl walked in and I was like, all right, you're going to put 200 days, she would laugh at me or feel super intimidated. Right. Yeah. So like when we say lifting heavy, it's like, it's heavy for where you're at right now. Um, and I think that's an important distinction to make. It doesn't have to be all like, you know,
0: total aggression and, and all this stuff, but, um, no, not at all. And, and, <laughs> and so like with that, you know, like I, so many women want to get into weight training, but it can be like, they have no idea where to start and it can yeah. be really intimidating, especially if they just go to like, you know, a regular gym, right. you know, so what, you know, what is your advice for them? Like where, where do you, where, can, where does one start? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, that's a great question. And I get that question a lot. Folks write to me and ask, like, I'm just going to a CrossFit. How do I know if it's a good one? Or, or like, how do I get into lifting? And if you know somebody who does it, try to see if you can go with them and just check things out. Uh, you know, some people are super adventurous. They're going to walk into a place and be like, all right, where do I sign up? I want to, I'm ready to do this. Um, and some other people, that's way outside their comfort zone. So if you know somebody that's doing it, already, whether it's strength training, um, or CrossFit or, you know, whatever weightlifting you're going to do, see if you can go and check it out. Um, if you get a good vibe from that place, like people are friendly or you feel comfortable there, then, you know, investigate a little bit further, see what their kind of beginner programs are like, especially if you're brand new to lifting, like safety is the utmost utmost importance and making sure that quality of movement is really good. And you're going to learn the fundamentals like you're not going to be snatching the first time you go into a gym hopefully right yeah (laughs) like you're going to start you're going to start building a great foundation and being willing to be patient um i think a lot of times you know every sport has its really sexy movements where Mm -hmm. we're like oh it's so cool like i want want to do this and that's the that's the epitome of cool things but like what you don't see is all the base work that goes into like first of all being able to do that movement safely but Getting to the point where you're proficient, um, and it's gonna be something that you're at the right level for. So making sure that that gym you go into is gonna be willing to work with you and take like assess where you're at, take it kind of slow, and then progress you properly. And I know that's hard for people to tell, but you'll usually get a pretty good vibe like if you go in and you start asking questions, you know, like do you have an on-ramp program? Do you have a, f- a fundamentals or a foundation program? How do you work with new people? Active and ask these types of questions. And if people can't answer you, if the owner or the, the trainer or the coach is like, you know, they don't really know what they do for new people or, you know, you go in and you're being you're being asked to do something you feel mega uncomfortable doing like you know is unsafe, then it's probably not the right facility for you, mm-hmm. and we're getting to the point now where there are lots and lots of different options for people like you, you can always find another place, so don't suffer through a place you hate going or you're super intimidated or you know no one's helping you out <laughs> um you know or just letting you struggle yeah um, and I think that's really important is you need to if you're going to be in it for the long term, and I always say like, you want to be happy, healthy and harder to kill. Yes. You know, like you just want to just generally want to get more awesome than you are now. Yeah. Like most of us aren't going to be an elite level athlete where we're going to the Olympics or world championships or, you know, and if you want to do that, that's cool. But for most of us, it's just like we want to be more awesome than we are right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. So find a a gym that's going to suit kind of like what your goals are too. If you walk into a gym and everybody there's training to go to a national competition and you feel like you're out of place, like it might not be the best match for you.
0: Yeah. So in other words, like, don't be afraid to shop around, ask questions and like, trust your gut really at the end of the day. But, you know, working with somebody like, you know, it's not something you would just kind of watch videos of on YouTube and then go to the gym and try and mimic like, really?
1: (laughs) No, you know, and I think, especially for compound movements, you know, there's just so there's only so much you can learn by watching um, someone else whether it's on online or you're reading it in a book or on a website like you actually have to get in there and play around and and if you're if you don't have as much kinesthetic awareness because you've not been active for a really long time or you know you're just developing that then having somebody who can actually physically you know help manipulate what you're doing or really give you the cues that that's going to be the difference between you getting anything out of that training session or, you know, even preventing you from getting hurt is really important mm-hmm. um, because, you know, injuries can happen at any point to anyone. Like, let's be honest, you can twist your ankle walking down the stairs
0: outside yeah, your house. Like, and,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I hate when people think like, oh, squatting is so dangerous. And I'm like, so is driving in your car. You know, yeah. I mean, let's be realistic. Injuries can happen to anyone at any time. But... Yeah. If you train at a good facility and your coaches are good and you're being smart and not super ego-driven either, um, you can definitely minimize a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, you mentioned the point about, like, people generally just want to be more awesome so from like from a food perspective i know you know in your ebook the paleo athlete uh which i love by the way because you know you really spell out how to modify your eating to support athletic goals in a very practical and simple to understand way so i i really love it um but as more and more people kind of get into you know high intensity training whether it's like crossfit or like insanity or or really any activity they don't always identify themselves as an athlete like maybe they just identify themselves as i want to be more awesome but then therefore they don't fuel themselves properly Mm -hmm. so like how do you know like how do you define kind of an athlete like when should someone be paying attention to fueling to support their activities
1: that's a great question and it's one that i get all the time um you know, like if it's really it—it it is hard to answer, but I'll—I'll kind of give you like the general guidelines. I give people it's like, if first of all, if you want to compete in anything, whether you're going out to win or it's just something new you're going to challenge yourself with, like I'm going to run my first 10k,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: you know I'm going to go do my local crossfit competition or at my that my box is hosting, um, or you know I want to do my first triathlon, like. If if you have those goals, like you need to pay attention to what you're eating because you're going to be moving around and training and actually just physically moving yourself more than you normally would if you were sedentary. Um, you know what's beyond that? What's the difference between like an athlete and and someone who's not an athlete? Like I I kind of think like you have to think that there's some intensity there as well. Um, you know, for example. If you're just going to go and you're going to walk 5 times a week, you're going to walk, you know, 3 to you know, 3 miles a day 5 times a week and you're just walking at a conversational pace like you know, I don't know if you would necessarily put yourself in, in that category of athlete. Right. Um, if you're going to if you're going to go run, run intervals till you're drooling on yourself 5 times a week, and really push yourself, then the intensity component is definitely there. So, like the frequency with which you're doing that activity, the intensity with which you're doing that activity definitely factor in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I don't know if there's a magic number of like the number of times you're going to train a week, or you know how many times you train intensely. But I think people kind of know in their gut, like you know, I'm going to CrossFit five times a week, I'm really pushing myself hard, you know, like I'm not just going through the, the motions, like I actually care about my workout. Maybe you'll never compete in anything, but like you're driven and you, you want to do, you're competing against yourself. And I know that phrase is like, some people think it's kind of corny. But if you're constantly competing against yourself, you're pushing yourself, You've got intensity there. You're going. You really need to pay attention to how you're fueling things, and that's why we decided to call the book, like the print book, Performance Paleo. Like you don't have to be a competitor in the sense that you're going to go out on the competition floor and really test yourself in that way to pay attention to what you're eating when you're training.
0: Yeah, and I think there's this mentality that you know people people work out to eat, whereas the reality <laughs> is like you need to eat to to work out and. And I think that, you know, especially I see it with a lot of women, you know, they they look at high intensity training as, you know, a faster way to lose weight. And and but then they're still fueling themselves in like a way that is so under caloric versus what their body needs. And I was guilty of that, too. I mean, when Mm -hmm. I first started doing. CrossFit, I was working out five to seven days a week and eating 1100 calories, but yeah. <laughs> it's no wonder I like had total hormonal breakdown. So I think it's yeah. really important for people to, you know, if you're doing intense exercise, you know, like you've got to be thinking about what you're eating in a different, in a different way. And even if you if your goals are body composition related, like you still have to eat to fuel the activity that you're doing.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, how do you tell? So that was the other thing you kind of asked, like how do you know if what you're doing is is suiting your activity level? Like I think, all right, number one, if you ask somebody like in their heart of hearts is what you're doing really smart and safe and supporting your goals, they're going to know. Right. But a lot of us try to convince ourselves otherwise like, oh, we're doing fine. Um, Right. Because we don't want to like actually admit that to ourselves. And I think a lot of people know when they're not doing the right thing. Um, that being said, obviously there are some signs. If your performance really sucks, okay, and like it's not just you're having a bad day, but you go for an extended period of time where your workout, you're dragging through your workouts. Um, you, like after you kind of, you know, the novice effect wears off, you're not gonna PR every time you go to the gym, although that's a very fun phase.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. I pr
1: again this week, <laughs> um, you know. But, like, you'll know that you're not able to complete the workout feeling very well. Um, Your performance metrics may not be there if you're doing, like, uh, things that you can track, you know, a one rep max lift or, you know, you're doing a particular running assessment or whatever it is. Like, if you're consistently dropping down on those things and it's not just related to something weird that's, you know, some random event, then you need to take a look at that. If you're sleeping really poorly, um, if your attitude about training is really terrible, you're like, oh, you know, I hate this. I don't want to train. I'm not looking forward to going to the gym or, you know, going and doing my workout today. And that goes on for, you know, any length of time. Like if you're not excited to get in there, uh, these are all signs of over overreaching and overtraining. But they're also signs that like your nutrition is definitely not supporting what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be, like I said, it can be physical manifestation. It can be a mindset sort of thing. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff it can manifest as. You're not fueling yourself very well, and a lot of people, and this is very common in all sports, but they are like training comes first, and like I'll eat what I can and sleep when I can, and that's completely backwards in my mind. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, you're on the whole nine seminar staff, and I'm on the whole nine seminar staff, and. I think it's something that we all really believe in, but it's like nutrition costs to come first. Like, if you want to be an elite athlete, like, you still have to put in the nutrition time, you still have to sleep and recover properly. And then your training is third. And I think a lot of people have that backwards. They're like, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to skip breakfast to get to my 5 a.m. workout. And that means that I have to cut my sleep short by two hours. Um, And that goes on chronically. Like, You break. (laughs) Yeah, you break. And a lot of people always ask, they're like, how long is it? Like, well, I'm doing fine now. And I'm like, "Okay, number one, you might be a little bit more hardy than the rest of us. um, So it it may take you longer to fall apart. And like, number two, like, I don't know how long you can sustain that for.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day, like it's just you're not going to be happy, really. <laughs> you
1: no, know, and you know you may have like so obviously like the big thing that we see a lot is okay, I'm going to like super skimp on carbs because I know that I can push body body fat composition or I can improve body composition and decrease body fat if I really do a lot of high intensity training. So it's like I looked ripped and I'm amazing. You know, I look amazing, but you know, I know I have no sex drive. I'm miserable with my family. Everything stresses me out. I can't sleep. Um, you know, and like, so you're making one goal, but the rest of your life has fallen apart.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly actually what happened to me. And I wrote, like I wrote a blog post about that, but yeah, yeah I mean, and it was like such a wake up call, but it was more a wake up call where I was just like, what am I doing to myself? But that's, you know that's a story for another day. Um, so... And I, I think it's
1: a really common one, and it's one that people, you know, like uh, like yourself. I was the same way. I mean, we have a similar story, but it's like, how do you get folks to realize that before it's too late? And sometimes I don't. I don't know if we can, but we, you know, we do what we can to put that information out there. And
0: yeah, it's 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 tough. I think when you're like hyper focused on whether it's like for me, it was body composition. But that that was really like the the source of that was like you know just overall self hate and so that's like a whole other issue that you know goes way beyond nutrition and so um, yeah but you know everybody's story is different and it's but it's hard when you're, you're you know you're approaching things from like a punishment perspective as opposed to like I'm going to have fun and better myself and at the end of the day like that's really what people should be doing in the gym and just eat to support that. Mm-hmm. So the last question I like to ask all my guests is, what is the most fearless thing that you have done?
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say probably when I moved out of the country last year and was like, I'm going to move to Scotland and be with my then fiance for four months <laughs> and just go and I don't have a house anymore and uh, all my stuff's in storage and I don't know what's gonna happen and my business is just starting to take off so I kinda was like, oh well, I'm going to Europe for four months.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So as we wrap up here, tell us about your new book.
1: So the new book is a cookbook. Um, The the Paleo Athlete eBook that has been out since January of this year is more um, just kind of like how to actually fuel and look at food and how to break things up for different sports. And there's a few recipes at the end. The Performance Paleo Cookbook is going to be over 100 recipes that people who are training in whatever capacity – can use to actually fuel their endeavors. So the way it's gonna be broken up is a little bit unconventional, I guess, compared to a regular cookbook. It won't just be breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or um, you know, broken up by different types of meats or whatever. It's, it's gonna be broken into uh, basically pre and post-workout meals and snacks and ideas that people can make for that. Um, and then we'll have a section for protein-dense recipes, carb-dense recipes. And then uh, other veggies. <laughs> I didn't really know what to call those. I've got, it's like, you know, round out your round out your plate with other nutrient-dense vegetables. Um, and then some, you know, kind of uh, seasonings and sauces and some treats at the end. But uh, no baked goods. Sorry, no paleo cookies in my book this time around.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Uh, uh, I think people can rely on Google to find those. If yeah, really awesome. yeah.
1: So, like... <laughs> So that's kind of how stuff's going to be broken up, um, and then we're going to have a couple of like you know basic daily plans. Like if you're a before work early morning exerciser, here my you know here's what you might expect for like a meal plan for the day. Like okay, you're gonna you know possibly have your um, you're gonna have something before you train to take the edge off because. Fasted training, completely true fasted training doesn't work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You're going to train, you're going to do your post workout, and and then like how to structure your day. So we'll do kind of like, you know, people that work out in the morning, in the midday, and then in the evening. Um, And I think it's going to be interesting because I'm really focusing on, um, you know, obviously protein and carbohydrate as being like two of the main focus areas, but getting people to really think about other types of like, for example, carbohydrates and sweet potatoes, like, I love sweet potatoes, but I get so many questions from people who are like, I am bored out of my skull, I can't eat another sweet potato. Yeah. Um, so I've got some, you know, lesser known things in there, like uh, yuca, and now, you know, plantains are getting more popular, but different veggies and stuff like that, that folks can eat, and, um, you know, stuff like white potatoes and white rice, and I know that some people will be like, that's not paleo, but we have to be kind of realistic with folks and training and if you're incredibly busy and, you know, getting a packet of Uncle Ben's prepared rice for after your workout is what you do and you've tested it in your diet and it doesn't bother you, then, like, have at it, man. Like, yeah, freaking, like, I think sometimes we let dietary convention and, like, dogma really stop us from fueling ourselves in a way that's intelligent and especially like I said in the context of a busy lifestyle where people are working full-time jobs and they're training, they're not just training full-time like they're training full-time on top of working full-time practically. Right. You know, we need like oh, it's okay to eat white potato if you're not sensitive to nightshades and it doesn't whack your blood sugar out like it's all it's it's okay to have white potatoes. So, I think um that may surprise people is that there are some of those options in there but for a lot of folks um, that have read The Paleo Athlete and they're like, oh, I started doing, you know, more carbohydrates or this I added this thing in, I can't believe, like, how much better I feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
0: yeah and I mean, it's all about it's i mean at the end of the day it's like what what works for you, and you know that's what people have to figure out, and they have to design their own template so i think i I totally respect that and i'm I'm super excited for it because i like i said i I really do love all your recipes and they're they're always like so easy to make. so when does the book actually come out?
1: Um, we're scheduled for January sixth twenty fifteen okay, great, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and so, where can people find you? Uh, pretty much any social media, you know, <laughs> platform. If you type in "stupid easy paleo," you'll find me. Awesome. So. All yep.
0: right. Well, I will link to it in the show notes as well. But I want to thank you so much for all of your time and insights and for sharing your journey with everyone. I really, really loved our conversation. And I love watching your success. And it's really an honor to have had you as my first Fearless Rebel oh, guest.
1: I'm so happy to have been here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you rock. So that's where we're calling it for today. If you like what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes. I would be so, so grateful. It only takes two minutes of your time. And always, as always, remember, you can get my free rule breakers guide to rocking your body on my website, summer in and in that's I n n a n e n.com Or simply put summerthenutritionist.com into Google and I will show up. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, rock on.